This is The Recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Monday, December 18, 2023. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. On the heels of serving a free, no-questions-asked Thanksgiving meal, Galesburg's Hope House is gearing up for Christmas dinner, and this time local restaurants are lending a hand. Tri-States Public Radio's Jane Carlson reports. Hope House opened this fall in space provided by First Lutheran Church. It's now the primary location for the direct services of the Galesburg Downtown Depot, such as free hot meals every Monday, a blanket and coat program, and food and hygiene pantries. It's all volunteer run and fueled by community donations. Diane Crock runs Hope House with Champ Coleman and their volunteers. She says for Thanksgiving, they initially planned for a thousand meals. And then we just let the donations and the need kind of take it from there. We ended up giving out a little over 1,200 meals. That meal, including dozens of turkeys, was sourced and prepared by volunteers, with around 800 meals picked up or eaten on site at Hope House and 400 delivered to people who couldn't get there. Krog says Hope House will again shoot for 1,000 to 1,200 meals for Christmas. But this time, the food is coming from local restaurants who are each creating or donating a dish to make the full meal. Not because their name was going to be on a sign or not because they were going to um, get any credit for it, but just be a part of it, just a piece of the puzzle, and then it makes the community larger. You know, we've always said it's a community platform. It's, it's not about us. You know, we connect people, and if we can bring people together and make something good. It's just, it's amazing to see. For example, Kraft on Seminary Street is making roasted beef with gravy, while the landmark across the street will take care of the mashed potatoes. Iron Spike and the Packing House are in charge of vegetables, while Black Market Bagels will throw in bagels. Mally Farms is contributing homemade jam. Buddy's Pizza will provide some pizza. Orange Cup Java has the coffee covered. And Grandview Restaurant is donating pudding to make desserts. The biggest thing that we want people to know is that you don't have to do a lot to make a difference. So just doing a little bit each time something comes up can make a huge difference. And there's still room for other restaurants to add their special touches to the Christmas meal. It will be served from noon to 2 p.m. on Christmas Day. Those interested in volunteering or donating can email info at hopehousegelsberg.com. I'm Jane Carlson. A highly respected financial watchdog over Illinois government has named a new leader. Joe Ferguson will be the president of the 129-year-old Civic Federation, replacing longtime president Lawrence Mussall, who died unexpectedly earlier this year. Ferguson is a 12-year inspector general at Chicago City Hall and a former federal prosecutor. Illinois manufacturers are praising a newly signed law that lifts the state's decades-old moratorium on new nuclear facilities. Illinois Public Radio's Alex Degman reports. The new measure allows for the construction of small modular reactors capable of producing 300 megawatts of electricity. That's about one-third the size of Illinois' smallest nuclear power plant. Mark Densler, head of the Illinois Manufacturers Association, says industrial customers will need more reliable power once coal and gas plants go offline. We have a lot of industrial processes that rely on steam. You can't generate steam from wind or from solar like you can from gas and coal. And so those industrial operations that are steam fired need to have an energy source to be able to produce that. Right now, there are six nuclear plants in Illinois generating a little more than half of the state's electricity. The law takes effect in June. I'm Alex Degman. Iowa Senate Democrats are requesting a government oversight meeting to look into the state's nursing homes. Iowa Public Radio's Natalie Krebs reports. 
Democratic senators say they would like Republicans to call a meeting of the Government Oversight Committee to look into recent reports of abuse and neglect in Iowa's nursing homes. Senator Claire Selsey, a Democrat from West Des Moines, says a public meeting would shed light into the current issues at Iowa nursing facilities. This would be industry members, members of the public, folks that have been affected by the nursing home crisis, so people that know more than politicians do about what's happening in our nursing homes. Democrats say they plan to introduce legislation next session that would increase oversight and inspections at nursing homes and invest more in community-based care. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. In today's feature, a consulting firm will help Western Illinois University as the school tackles enrollment and financial challenges. Tri-State's Public Radio's Rich Eggert reports. The administration hired EAB Global, which will be paid $200,000 a year for three years. I talked to board chairperson Karen Stutz and vice chairperson Polly Radosh after a recent board meeting about where things stand at Western. Stutz credits the administration with avoiding a quick Band-Aid approach and instead taking steps to ensure it makes the right long-term decisions for the institution. I think these consultants will bring in an unbiased, different look. Whether we agree with them or not, it's going to give us another perspective to take a look at that will, I think, add more alternatives for us to consider to make the right long-term decisions for Western. You said during the meeting, we can't just cut our way out of the cash issues. Can you elaborate on that? Uh, well, sure. I mean, th we want this to be a thriving university, right? And so, you know, obviously, enrollment, uh, admissions, uh, retention of our students are really uh, our priorities. Uh, we, we have such a strong faculty here and, and uh, such dedicated employees. This is bigger than a job for, for the people that are here at WIU. It's, it's their livelihood, but, but they believe in this cause. They believe in what we're trying to do here. And so we want every opportunity for everyone to continue to be, continue to be part of the solution. But ultimately, we have to find new ways to bring in, in revenue, and that's enrollment, new students, you know, different ways of learning, more online programs, whatever the non-traditional student may be looking for. We need to make sure that we're offering it here. So that would be my, uh, my perspective early on. I, I just would add that we have to have the most innovative and forward-looking and most creative approach that we can possibly have in this day and age. And cutting isn't necessarily innovative or uh, progressive in, in, in that regard. We can cut. Of course we can cut. That's the easy thing to do. What is more difficult is to examine what we do and how we do it and to to design something that takes the the needs of the next generation into consideration, and 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 that's what we're hoping to do. Uh, we may end up cutting. We hope it won't be very much, but for the most part, um, our intent is not to cut, but to look for other more innovative ways of doing what we do. Is the concern that cutting would just cause more damage rather than really solving anything? Yes, we ha we've cut before, and uh, it it hasn't been the best outcome in in all the the cuts that we experienced between 2015 and 2018. Yeah, it was a very difficult time. So we've tried that route. Now we need to be more forward looking and more innovative in in examining what we do. We cut 39 programs out of the university, and we cut a lot of faculty positions. And um, where are we today? We still need to look at what we do and do it better. And so cutting is not our answer. 
Dr. Radas is absolutely right. Our focus needs to be on really providing a great educational experience for more students who need to come to Western and experience the great uh, education that I have. And if you talk to a lot of the students that are here today, uh, they will absolutely agree that they're having a phenomenal experience and a phenomenal educational opportunity and foundation here at Western. And what is the cash issue here? What is the extent of, uh, are you facing a deficit? Can I get some details on that? The, the, the short answer is yes, we do have a deficit. We're hoping to cut it. Uh, we're, we're looking at everything that we do and trying to do it more efficiently. So yes, in the short term, we have a deficit. We're, we're trying to overcome it, and we're trying uh, to look at new sources of revenue and new ways of doing what we do that will, will shorten the time span that we're living with this deficit. Is it a $12 million gap? I feel like I heard that figure before. That was, that was last year's number, okay. uh, and so, you know, what, what they're working on today, you know, obviously what the budget says and what the actual number is, I think that's going to be significantly less. There are so many different things that the administration and the faculty are working on to kind of close that gap. Realistically, when they're looking at their budgets, most people, most departments are working within 75% of that budgeted number that'll really help close that gap and uh, just give us a longer runway to make the long-term decisions. Karen Stutz is chairperson of the Western Illinois University Board of Trustees. She was joined by Vice Chairperson Polly Radosh. They emphasize that while the board does vote on some matters and helps set the university's direction, it does not run the university's daily operations. They said the university president, his cabinet, and faculty will need to come up with the right solutions. But Stutz and Radosh say the board will ask tough questions, and they believe an upcoming report from the consulting firm will prod them to ask a lot of questions. Rich Egger reporting. In the weather for our listening area for today, it should be sunny with a high in the low 30s. We expect breezy conditions with northwesterly winds 15 to 25 miles an hour, gusting up to 35 miles an hour at times. For tonight, it should be clear with a low in the mid-teens. We should have northwest winds at 5 to 15 miles an hour. They will turn southwest after midnight. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.